0: It's short pants free radio. Gamers get your ears on because we're blowing the speakers out. Grimdark. Live. Your weekly webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. Don't miss our live show on Thursdays, but for now, you've got us on Sloppy Seconds with our podcast with the Grimdark Gang. It's time once again for Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark
1: Live, your weekly webcast for all things Dice, Dragons, Demons, and a Dwarf from the Warhammer Worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, my co host. We got a new guy with us tonight, man. We got Justin, and we got the nicest guy in tabletop wargaming back with us, Randy. Fellas, what do you hear? What do you say?
2: Not much. Just glad to be here, and let's go.
1: That's it, man. Welcome as the new host, Justin. And I got to tell you, Mr. Rock Solid, man, the nicest guy in tabletop wargaming, the, the rock of this show. We got Randy. Randy,
3: wasabi, buddy. Oh man, it's good to be back after a long hiatus. You, you know, know. Is, that, is, that, is that what they call it now? A hiatus? Oh yeah, it's a, a hiatus.
1: Well, you know, you know folks, <laughs> and I got to tell you this this is what an amazing globe trotter our our little buddy Randy is. You know, and, and Randy, I, I think a lot of people need to understand exactly who and what you are because it's really just tremendously admirable. I'm not talking about your escapades out there in Spanish Fork, Utah. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your charity stuff. You know where you know that one charity you belong to. You know that one thing that we talked
3: about before. You know that thing. Sure. Yeah, that's the thing. The thing that you know we talk about on the side, but not on you know in, in public. That's yeah. right. That's oh, right. But you know,
1: folks, I want to tell you. I want to tell you what an adventurous soul Randy is. He's come back to us after a long. Now, I want to make sure I get this right, Randy. You are actually a trampoline tester at nude beaches. Is that is that what you've been doing? You've been gone for that long.
3: Oh yeah, I know. I've been working on my triple backflip. You know, it just it's just really hard not to stick the landing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a, you tried that one time. You got caught in the tree. You were dangling there for a while. You all right?
3: Oh, yeah. I know it only takes a couple <laughs> of surgeries to fix it, but that's about it. Yeah, wow. I was, saying, I, was saying, I
1: was saying when you, wow. said, when you said hiatus, it, I wasn't sure if you meant hernia. Justin, are you hearing this? I mean, this poor guy. Yeah, I,
2: I'm kind of dumped on what's going on here, but hey, you know what? If he takes a few shots to the face, not my problem.
1: Well, I got it. Got but, you know, folks, we're, we're not here to talk about, you know, Randy, like I said, being, being one of the most famous trampoline testers on nude beaches uh, ever, ever. Or, or all of his expades in Spanish Fork, Utah. But we're here to really warm up the show and talk about what we're going to be talking about in the Warhammer Worlds and introduce our new co-host, Justin. So, Justin, anything, anything you want us to reveal about you in the beginning of the show here? Or are you, uh, you know, just ready to just get going?
2: There's not much you can reveal about me, Patrick. I mean, come on. What is not? What does not everybody know?
1: <laughs> well, there's 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 a lot of things. There's there's a lot. Well, of-
2: yeah, but you know what? That that's behind closed doors.
1: We will, uh, we will definitely, <laughs> folks. We will be getting into that. But yeah, we got uh, fellas, What what do we got? Uh, what do we got as topics for today's show?
2: Well, I want to get into a little bit of debate, maybe a little discussion about the current state of the game um, All right. and playtesting. Yep, I like you know, it. And, and the, the general overview of how that's affecting the hobby as a whole.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good topic. You know, there's a lot about playtesting um that I think needs to be needs to be touched on. And Randy, how many times have you and I talked about playtesting?
3: Oh, lots, you know, you, you know, it, the the rules of rules, you know, the point system, you know, yeah. a certain amount of a certain amount of points, you know, it's just like, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean the point the point changes and just everything that comes across through the you know the the big FAQ that we get every year, you know, the general handbooks that we you know 2019, 2020 which we're still waiting on GW. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what yeah. can we do about that?
1: I, I think I think playtesting is something that is an important part of the game. But you know, we're gonna get into that here in a little bit because I we all have our thoughts on that and I'm and we're not here to really mother f the playtesting process or how that works. But I think it's fair that we have some skepticism. Is that a good way to put it, Justin? We're, yeah, we're a little probably. skeptical about the process yeah
2: Well, yeah i mean yeah there's always going to be skepticism about you know anything in this game it's yeah. it's a game based on fantasy yeah. so you know you, you got your you got your why is it not this way and why is it not that way but it's got to come down to what's a good equal balance between all players
1: that's right that's right and you want to know something Justin welcome to the show man i'm i'm happy that you're the co-host and Randy welcome back dude honestly it is so great to have you back on the show man
3: yeah it's <laughs> It feels good to actually get down. To, it is good to hear, hear from you, bud. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, yeah, so we're going to be also talking about playtesting balance uh, with uh, with Justin and his topic today through, through all that. So I'm excited for that. But we also got some army list tips that I'm going to be going over. I know that uh, – um, a lot of times we've we talked here on the show about, you know, different armies and army builds, and sometimes we get into tactics and some goofy lists, but I think we're, I'm going to get down to the basics of it, because I think coming out of COVID and coming out of uh, and getting back on the table, which we're going to be, folks, uh, we're going to be back uh, this Saturday. We've got our first war meet in I don't know how long, so we're going to be chucking some dice uh, at the uh, the Grimdark War Meet, so I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, it, with that, I think it's a good thing to talk about army list tips and how to how to build those types of uh, armies. And also, we're going to be talking again in the news, we got the Rumineth uh, Realm lords, we can never really get away from them. I mean, Justin, I know that that's something that you want to talk about. Yeah, and, and... they're
2: they're they're kind of that snake in the boot that keeps biting you, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I hope do... it,
1: I hope it turns out to be a good snake. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I do too. I really do. And the rules that they got makes them look like they're going to be a pretty strong army. Yeah. So.
1: And, and I know that uh Randy, you got some two cents in the tin can on the old pointy-eared elves yourself. So. Um... Yeah we're going to be (laughs) yeah i guess i will yeah uh but it's it's going to be good stuff and then also uh, we, we got the news we got the rumor engine we got the question of the day in the news and um, we also got some other stuff that I want to get into. You know, have you guys heard about this Marvel uh, comic book that they've partnered with Warhammer 40k? Have you seen about yep. this? Yeah. Yes, I am. Um, yeah. We're gonna be we're gonna be addressing that a little bit and getting some thoughts on it. I got, you know, again, this is another one of my uh, mixed emotions. You know what I've always said about mixed emotions? Like watching my brand new Cadillac go over a cliff with my mother-in-law in the back seat. You know, mixed emotions. But um, also, I've got the the Armed Forces Day, folks. Our Grimdark Live tournament, Armed Forces Day to honor our active duty troops is going to be back in the news. I got some updates on that. So good stuff um, all around. But guys, yep. are you uh, are you ready?
2: Oh yeah, let's do it!
0: Hey,
1: you Grimdark goons! Thank you all so much for listening to our Grimdark Live podcast. If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays. And if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway, thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. so here it is gang we uh, we better we better run into this uh, and get this uh, get this going here in the news so opening up right away with the news is not going to be armed force today but we are gonna be getting to that one um, we got a lot of stuff in the news and I think I want to start with the rumor engine I know that uh, this is more of a, uh, a 40k ilk type of uh, of, a, of a rumor engine have you guys seen this picture yet
2: yeah it, it definitely it breeds or breathes 40k um, but like I said, I, I also looked at this thing and I think it's got it has some inkling that it could be an AOS item as well. But
1: no, oh, I don't know about that, Randy. What are your
3: thoughts, man? AOS or forty k? Um, it, it does kind of look more steampunky, so like yeah, I I would go toward the AOS side. Even no though. kidding. Okay, well, yeah. I guess I'm I'm the I'm, uh, I'm the, outnumbered like on this one. Yeah, because their forty k is more like clean lines and stuff, like like. like uh, it could be a, a demonic forge thing, which is like, in between both games. But
2: yeah, the only the only yeah. part of that room, that piece from the picture we can see, that makes me think it's a forty k is the bottom left corner. It's got extremely straight lines. Oh, and yeah. looks like the, looks like a turret side from one of the tanks or something of that matter in a forty k universe. That's the yeah. only thing that makes me lean towards forty k on it. Interesting in yeah. that regard.
1: All right. All right, so so you guys both, but but here's the thing, Justin. Here you go, man. We you, you, you got you got
2: to either be all in or all out here in Grimdark Live, man. So
1: is, yeah, is I know. AOS and, that's or 40K? Pro- and that's
2: that. that uh, you know what? I have to push it towards forty k because of the clean lines on that side. uh uh-huh. see, Randy,
1: see how quickly we can gang up on you now, huh? What do you think about well, that? I see, it.
3: see, I thought we had to be wrong 100 percent of the time, so we got to make wow. this, you know uh, you know guesses out there. All right,
1: that looks like a monopoly piece.
3: Damn. Oh yeah, forty k monopoly. They that's, sold that in the store the other. That's like, right. Couple they years do ago. do that.
1: Okay, see, I, I could be, I could be kind of right there. Even even when I want to be wrong, I guess I'm right, and vice versa. But yeah, I guess when I was looking at this thing, it it looks to me definitely forty k. I guess uh, along with the uh, the power fist that went from a few weeks back. That that that, that could be a new Nurgle Chaos Lord. Uh, some like a maybe a Terminator armor from this pick. Maybe is what I'm guessing. Um and again I, if if I if I said that wrong cuz I'm kind of a neophyte fight in the 40k world let me know but I, I think I think I'm kind of close to that. I'm only saying Nurgle because of the all the little marks there on the uh, exhaust pipes are all rotted right. out so and that well,
3: that's definitely what's leading me that direction as well. That yeah. could be some type of uh music organs for noise marines cuz they haven't done uh Emperor's children you know Slaanesh yet for Could there be the, Nurgle uh... noise marines? No, no, I'm just uh, it'd be slanesh. Oh, so. I see. Okay, oh, I got it. Like, I you know, you. Mean, you know, or organ, organ pipes on top of something. Got it. Like, like no, noise, noise, yeah, noise marine based.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I wonder if that could actually, and just film this one out, I'm wondering if that could be Gits.
1: Hmm. That you mean, Gits for 40k or Gits? AOS. Oh, you know, are you going back to that rumor again where they were talking about pirate gits or whatever that are going to be taken yep. on the Karajan overlords? Yep.
2: That's where I'm heading.
1: Justin, you bastard. If that is the case,
2: that's going to be hysterical. Do you really think that could be the case? I do. I think that's an engine to a
3: gits flying machine.
2: Damn.
1: Hey, Randy. Yeah.
3: Hey, Randy. I think, that would, I think that would be really popular. You Randy, know?
1: wouldn't that be weird if Justin was the first grimdark goon to actually be right on one of these freaking r- rumor engines?
3: it's the first time for everything
1: (laughs) unbelievable yeah i guess i guess my whole thought of leaning towards like a death guard kind of a thing for 40k uh maybe you that that might have just been ripped up asunder there justin you might have actually hit a chord on that one that might actually uh wow that would be kind of but you know what though Look at the back. Look at the bottom left and towards the back. It looks like some kind of like um like a thruster or some kind of a, a piping that's can or a coupling or something. Do you see what I'm talking
2: right. looking at there? Well, right, and that's and that's why that's why this one is throwing the biggest confusion at me. Because gits, orcs, things of that matter, they're known for cobbling just engines together out of everything.
3: You know? Yeah, right. And
2: this could just be all looted whole pieces off of Carrot and Overlords or other you know, whatever, and cobbled together to form their engines.
1: You know what, guys? Or it could
2: be, it could be Gitz 40K for all we know.
1: I'm going to say this right here. If, if Age of Sigmar goes in the direction of Gitz as like pirate goblins, I'm all in. I'm all in. But, you know, there's going to have to be a change there. You know what I'm going to do, right? Because you know, it, you know these things yeah, have to be. Yeah,
2: yeah, we know what you're doing. You don't.
1: You don't have to rush it like that. You got to let it simmer for a second, Justin. You have to cut it off like that. am not, not. See, I bet you didn't even think that's anything
2: having to do with the worst unit in the game. Hey,
1: you bastard! You know what? This is your. This could be your <laughs> last show
3: too. You punked! You hear that,
1: Randy? Come on, get start yelling at him. <laughs> Well,
3: you gotta use that that tub of, of junk somehow. It's not, it's not working on paperweight
1: a... time. <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting like beat up here. Hey, folks, you hear this abuse? I gotta put up with every damn show. I do this for you guys. I gotta put up with these guys every show, but it's for you. All right, moving on. You guys ready to uh, to get on to the next uh, next part of the news? So yeah, I, th- I think that's good. I think we're I think man, you got you got you got my imagination going. I hope that is gets for AOS, but I'm still gonna stick with very nergally 40k something or other yeah that, that that's my final answer death guard or all something. Right. all right <laughs> all right so let's keep moving on it's, it's kind of still sticking with the uh the 40k ilk piece here but um here it is so i know we're all kind of comic book nerds here and we've got the marvel and warhammer first comic book has been revealed um i'm gonna let you guys comment on this first
2: anyone it's always blue Space Marines. Always, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's all, it's always the the mother chapter or the the grand the grand chapter, the uncorruptible. Yeah. Always.
1: You know, guys, uh, I, I I don't want to sound like a complete jag bag by what I'm about to say here, but I, I'm a bit. uh well, I'll just come out and say it. I don't like it. I don't like the cover art y'all uh, the,
2: the no. i'm actually looking at a big glaring portion of this cover art it's just setting me off is the the size of the commander's head for marius kalgar to yeah. the size of that armor
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i mean randy you're you guys are both more 40k guys than i am i mean and i looked at this when i first saw it and it looked like a kid's coloring book <laughs> it looked terrible oh, man. ouch
3: <laughs> i mean randy come on man yeah, they, they can't make it too cartoony because of the, you know, the yeah, IP okay. or whatever, but then, you know. But see, here's the thing, though. But okay, let, let me go back
1: to this. Let me go back to this. I remember back in the day, the old Warhammer Monthly um, had a had a style of, of, of that, that grimdark and, and that grubby low fantasy of Warhammer fantasy battles. That, that spot on the artwork was absolutely beautiful. And it, it didn't need, like, a, a foreign partner, i.e., like, what what... what GW is doing with Marvel to make it sell and it was done uh you know pretty much through GW artists alone and they kind of kept that ilk of that particular art form that art that you see like in some of the older battle tomes or some of the current 40k codexes and when I see this I don't get that impression it, it looks like something that it's you know like like some high school kid sketched up an art class and submitted in Warhammer community and they thought it was great
2: well, like, yeah, it's it not—it's like. not gritty enough. It's not—it doesn't portray the bleakness and the darkness of the 40k universe. It's this is this is like rainbow pony meets oh god space marine.
1: All right, that was worse than what I said, Justin. Wow, yeah, rainbow well, pony.
2: Uh, this, this, this this I mean, it's too <laughs> bright. It's, it's too, too bright. Yes, it's yeah, too bright. It's to too that, yeah. there's too much clean color to it when it's supposed to be a dark, gritty world that's consumed by war.
3: Right. Yeah, there's like a bunch of shiny Marines, like right, you know, fresh, fresh off the you know, press or whatever. No chips in the armor, you know, no battle torn. You know, yeah. yeah. It, it just you seems know.
1: very, um, I don't. It, it you know what? It, is? it seems very Saturday morning cartoony to me. I guess, uh, I guess the best way to put it. But I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on it being Marvel?
2: I I don't see that as being a bad pairing, um, so long as GW keeps their IP in the direction they want it to go and not just succumbing to the whims of the, of the parent company. Well, I
1: I mean, Randy, what do you think, man?
3: Yeah. As long as they, you know, stick to like, you know, the background has been, you know, set, you know, for ages now, you know, they just need to keep in that, that direction and, you know, not make it, you know, around like, superhero-based, you know, 40K, Yeah, you know.
1: right. And, and, you know, here's the funny thing. You know, maybe maybe it's because I'm like you guys. I'm not a big fan of the Ultramarines. You know, I, you know, in, in, when I do get around to playing 40K, I play my knights. I like big, stompy robots. So, but I, I got to tell you, from a practical standpoint, personally, I don't think Marvel was the right call after all the problems that they've had. And, and the art looks too, like you said, I agree with you guys, that uh, it looks too bright and colorful. It yep. kind of looks like bionicles. Uh, and I think that they should... Have given this project to uh, maybe some of the more of their internal artists, like I was saying, and gone back to the old Warhammer Monthly magazine, where you, you where you or would produ- capture,
2: right, or produce us. it in house. Well,
1: that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, produce it in house yeah. with with those same artists, and you know, I guess, and, and to take a positive spin on this, we don't keep just crapping on this. Um, I'm hoping for this to be, you know, have at least some deep story arcs to them, as far as you know, having a comic book trend, like issue to issue. Um, about maybe the, I don't know I mean, if I'm going to say this correctly, but maybe about the Crusades across the stars and dark themes through, throughout it. I mean, I think that would be, if they can keep the writing at least some, you know, maybe you can overlook some of the bubbly artwork, I think.
2: I, I think they could have gotten there if they had chose a different hero of the Imperium over Marius Calgar.
3: He's too too well known.
2: He's too know. well known.
1: So this is something you guys know quite a bit about. I mean, you're, you're rattling off this guy's name like he borrowed a
3: lawnmower from you. Oh, well, he's been been around since the. He's you know, he's the, he's the yeah. one of
2: the yeah he's been around forever. Yeah. Um. I mean, if they had done one of the lesser heroes or hell, not oh, even a not even well, a space well, marine the, a yeah, space well, yeah, in about general, an all new hero too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: I, I guess I guess a show like Grimdark Live with a 40k name, but we talk on fantasy stuff. Should really kind of know these things. So uh, we'll work on it. All right. So. Um, <laughs> Good stuff. Well, well, moving on to our next topic, unless unless it's good, good with you guys. Can I close this oh, one out and keep rolling we're here? We're
2: good. Moving yeah, we're on good. to
1: our next topic uh, here in the news. Here it is, folks. Armed Forces Day 2020 is back on the docket again. We have a new date of August 8th and 9th, and this is going to be our third year for this 100% charity event to support our active duty troops. Armed Forces Day Tournament is going to be held August 8th and 9th, like I just said, and you can head over to GrimDarkLive.com to check out the information on this tournament. Armed Armed Forces Day 2020 is going to be a two-day Age of Sigmar event, where each player can bring 2,000 points of an army compromise of the most recent General's Handbook and AOS rule set. This This event is going to be a 1v won five-game, two-day tournament to provide donations to our active-duty troops while celebrating our Armed Forces Day, although it's going to be late this year because of COVID. Um, But we normally have this in May, which is a national holiday to honor those active duty troops. We're also going to be sponsoring the Montford Point Marine Association Chapter 2. There's going to be a separate raffle to support this historic Southside Chicago Montford Point Chapter. And after a half a century of being home to those first African-American Marines who settled in Chicago after the war in 1946, the chapter currently is facing some looming debt with uh, the potential for closure. So we are not going to let that happen if we can. And, of course, Armed Forces Day 3 wouldn't be possible without the support of GameStorm Gaming, our home store, Frag Factory 3D Printing, Mini Ministomp, Six Squared Studios, and it looks like now Creature Caster. So we are uh, we want to thank everybody for for that great support. And we're also talking to some other folks that want to lend their their hats. So this could be the first tournament uh, out of the... Um, out of the COVID lockdown, at least around here, so it looks like we're actually going to be able to do this. So we're really excited about uh, because you know we uh, we changed the date. What my Randy? We changed it, what or what twice, right? Twice now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, we uh, we fought to make sure that this um, that this was going to happen. So here it is, guys. Can you believe it? We did it. Armed Forces yeah. Day. It's happening.
0: Yep, I'm excited. service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities fantasy outposts elven forest demonic stronghold and so much more find out what you've been missing by checking us out on facebook at frag factory 3d printing or send us an email at fragfactory 3d printing at gmail.com bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for take your gaming to the next level with frag factory 3d printing we print life into your games tell them grindark live sent you and your first hour of printing is free
1: gang in all seriousness get your terrain on the table and get it with frag factory 3d printing and remember tell them grimdark live sent you and they'll give you one hour free you can get them via email at fragfactory 3 dprintinggmailcom at gmail.com or their facebook page frag factory 3d
0: printing frag factory 3d printing printing life into your games now back to the show
1: good stuff man good stuff all right so here it is let's get into the white elephant in the room in the news last news topic and then we're going to get into our main topics here we got the lumineth realm lords that are back in the news and yep. you know here's the funny thing let me just kind of back up here i Justin, and actually randy i know you because the amount of collection that you have is immense i know that you guys have some stuff you want to say on this but the Lumineth Realm Lords Army was first announced at Las Vegas Open uh, that back on January 24th of 2020. The box set pre-release was last Saturday, and the box set is going to be in everybody's sweaty palms this Saturday. And for anyone curious, we did a pretty good review of the Lumineth on last week's show, so please go back and have a listen if you'd like to hear that. We're not really going to get into that level of review again uh, on, this, on today's show. However, I've really been talking about them or grimdark live has been talking about them since november of 2019 when the rumors uh really began to heat up now the luminoth realm lords are finally upon us you're gonna you're gonna have them this coming saturday in your sweaty palms so i'm gonna start with you justin mm-hmm. uh I, I know you plan on playing this army as, as i think uh from from what we know um it, it does complement your, your your play style as already a city's a sigmar player what are your overall, you know, quick thoughts on the Lumineth? And then, Randy, same question to you when he's done.
2: So this army is shaping up to be a massive hit to the to the hobby, and just in general, I mean, the rules from what I've read, they're beat you down, push into a corner, and lock you in place. I mean, they're just nasty. They're, uh, the models are amazing for what they are, and. Yeah, I I'm, I'm looking forward to them. I personally have ordered two boxes myself, just to get that jump on the you know the baseline units. Right. But yeah. I'm loving the aesthetic of them. I think they look good. And yeah, I know everybody razzes because you know they they got these giant horns coming off them. But you know what? There's nothing in this hobby that says they have to stay like that. That's the nice thing is we can convert them. You can change them. You can move them. You can repaint them any way you want. And they're yours.
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess in one way, high elves have always had pretty overly dramatic helmets. I mean, we had the cone heads on the spear elves. We had, you know, look at the Phoenix right. guard and their helmets. Yep. So I guess it's no stranger. You know, the dragon princes had some pretty crazy helmets. So I guess I, I get it. These are a little, a little too moo for me, but hey. Uh, so Randy, what are your thoughts, man?
3: Oh, it's going to be a perfectly fine army. And there'll be a lot of aesthetic changes that people want to make or play it as is. It all depends on, you know, people's want or whatever. Like I already know a few players that you know were are talking about swapping it out for a bunch of uh forty K Anubis heads, you know. Oh see that's so, a great idea. Yeah. And then so they got like all the, the cows, like they got, there's plenty of bits out there for Thousand Suns and uh things and like they even have like night Anubis heads that will fit on the big you know, the big uh cows and stuff too. So, you know, that was that was a friend's idea, but you know, he kinda put it on the afterburner thinking that he wants to wait for a different army, so Right, yeah, and, I, and I, I if, wanna... if anybody
1: finds out where the sons of Beemoth are, please let me know because that's what I'm waiting on.
2: <laughs> I, I kind of want to see how that the hammer for the uh, not the hammer, but the headpiece for the hammers is actually going to rest. If there if there's going to be a way yeah. to, because that would be, in my opinion, a cool thing to move down and use like a mask. Yeah. On the front of the helmet.
1: I think a lot of people are, you're going to see that will probably be the main thing converted big time. They're going to get rid of it's, that big helmet. Big, that yeah. big horn. Yeah, because, you know, and, and that was talked about on last week's show. If you guys want to go back and listen to that. And then, of course, we, we've we talked about that probably every other show since November. We've always brought up some, and, you know, I want to say something real quick on that. I've had a lot of negative things to say about the Lumineth um, because I was a snobby high elf player, and that's what I wanted back, and I didn't get them, so I stomped my feet and held my breath and, and complained. But I get it now, the more that I see this army coming into purview of what some of the rules leak, some of the things. We're going to get into one thing in particular that I really want to nail down here in a little bit, Justin. I know that when when you and I spoke earlier, you know, offline before the show started, we said we weren't really going to do this. But you know what? I can't help it. We got to talk about one part, and I'm going to drag you through the mud on this one. Randy, unfortunately, I'm dragging you through the mud too. But here it is. I want to start with this. A, I was wrong about the army. I think this is a pretty damn good army, and I'm glad that I'm wrong. I'm glad that the elves are back, even though this isn't my cup of tea. But here's what I want to say. You know what I think the real innate, and this is what you made me think of here uh, when you both were commenting on this army. What I think the real innate threat of this army is the ability, and, and it's something, I don't remember what it's called right now, but it's it's the ability that the army has to push their enemy troops back three inches. I mean, effectively, if that's played right, you could push an enemy unit off the table, thus eliminating that that entire enemy unit. I mean, there's a lot of these little tricks and things that I think are going to come surface out of this army, that I think are really that people aren't quite prepared for. Everyone's focusing in on, you know, that the hammer elves or techless or you know four auto, auto spells. But I, I think little things like this are what's going to get
2: you. Well, I mean, I think it's only one unit that actually has the ability to bounce you back three inches. I think it's only one of them. Right. But again, I haven't seen the full rules on it, so I don't know. But if it's if it's the hammers per se, you put the hammers in the front lane. They bounce you, and you have a unit of spears with a three-inch pike standing behind them that still can hit you. I mean, everything's on twenty-five millimeter basis.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and if you like, you know, push off scoring units, that's a it's huge. Yeah, yeah. pushing
2: yeah. them off. Yeah. Oh, I'm just inside the six-inch radius of the objective, and all of a sudden you get bounced three inches out, and right. you're out. Right, right. That's a that's a turn four, turn five snagging victory. Right.
1: Yeah, and, and you know we're we're going to be talking about Techless here in a minute, and and that's kind of the thing I wanted to hammer down on. And, and the entire army sounds like it's going to be re- a really good one on the table. But why do you suppose? And I'm just I'm asking you both this. Why do you suppose there are still box sets that haven't sold? I mean, you, you go to you go to different different retailers. GW. There, I mean, when I when I look back at some of the other game sets uh, that that have that, that have just recently come out, um, you know, for instance. Uh the, the, the tie the bones that sold out right away. Um the box set with the uh the, the gloom spite um um that that sold out right away this one seems to be kind of lingering. Any any thoughts of why?
3: I think Ooh. it's just they're waiting for the rules. It's like
2: why what, what's what's that saying? Yeah. Strike, strike while the iron's hot. So we got the we got the LBO preview before COVID hit, COVID hit and now we're on delay. So we got all these imagery, all this imaging, and all this stuff of that of them. And then nothing. And the iron cooled off, so to speak. So now it's, okay, well, let's at least wait to see what the rule sets are before we, you know, dump a $1,000 or $2,000 into an army. Right.
1: Okay. Randy, do you agree with that? Or what do you yeah,
3: think? I don't, yeah, I agree. Yep.
2: Okay. Yep.
1: So let's look at it from this hand. From the previous White Dwarf uh, issue 454, we know that Teclis is going to be able to auto-cast four spells in each hero phase. They can still be unbound, but they're going to have a casting value of 10, so they're they're not easily done. That's are not easily unbound. One of right. his spells lets Lumineth units within 18 inches ignore wounds and mortal wounds on a roll of a five plus. While another spell um, forces the enemy to spend two command points instead of one in their own enemy, you know, command abilities. So in other words, they got to spend two when they normally could spend one based off this spell. Um, Techless. Can also auto unbind an enemy spell and endless spell each turn. So, here's a question I have for both of you: Is Teclis overpowered
2: for 660 points? No.
3: Okay, all right, Randy, what say you? No, that, that sounds pretty pretty good. Like i've been I've been playing uh, Croak in my Lizardman list, and he's been been shutting down you know spells, or whatever. But still, you know, gives the you know opponents a chance, like with the plus two to cast and everything, like. You know it'll just be one of those you know Nagash, croak you know him you know just uh you know you just have to be prepared against for strong magic lists yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah i mean I but and that's that's preparedness uh, that we're going to be actually be talking about uh, between play testing and list building here here in just very very shortly but here's why i asked that guys and kind of i kind of took the long way around the horn no pun intended <laughs> on that one uh but I've heard a lot of folks, both on in our own gaming group and on the boards, making comments about his spell, Protection of Techless. Uh, which is noted as uh, a cast of ten, but obviously will will auto cast inevitably. It'll be an auto cast. But this spell grants a five plus ward save to a friendly unit wholly within eighteen inches of them. Is that a big deal? I mean, obviously not for you, Justin, because you're going to be playing the army. But Randy, someone that's possibly going to be playing against the elves. Let me ask you: I, is I,
3: is that a big deal for you? I I just wish the lizard men had that that <laughs> spell. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. You know. I mean, the holy yeah. within
2: eighteen is that's that's a huge bubble. Yeah, especially I mean, for his
3: huge
2: base. Yeah. But but then you look at bone reap, you look it at could the bone be
1: a 36-inch bubble if you think about it.
2: Right. You look at the bone reapers and you look at um their leader. You know, he's got a banner on that piece that extends his entire range to 36 inches. So he's covering ninety-five percent of the board, depending on where he's placed. You know, Techless is not one of those pieces that is going to move that often. But when he does, he has the speed to get where he needs to go. So he's actually got a bigger threat range than 18. A lot bigger threat range.
1: Uh, Yeah. I, I think, yeah, uh, he does. You're right. You're right. But, but you guys don't really see this, 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 what I mean, this five plus, because also you got to remember too, he's got another spell. I think it's, it's where you can get a four plus on mortal wounds for spells and endless spells. Right. That, that he's got protection. So, you know there's a lot of protection going on when you're tucked under this you know the, the Tech-less's, uh wing here in an 18 inch bubble but you guys don't think that that 5 inch or that that 5 that 5 plus i'm sorry ward save is a big deal that, that you don't find that an issue
2: no i i don't i mean there's there's uh, how many armies out there that have 5 plus ward gonna, save? I was
3: about to say that's pretty much the standard yeah, yeah. Well,
1: the, well you need an after you know, save yeah. board. Yeah. and that's yeah. where i'm going with this and i'm glad you guys actually said that because a 5 plus ward save for me doesn't really bother me any more than if I were to play Daughters of Cain with their five plus ward save from their shrine, or Flesh Eater Courts with their five plus ward save from the Deathless Minions, or Fire Slayers with their five plus ward save from the Rune Father, or a five plus that the Rotgut uh, Trogoths get normally, or a four plus that the Phoenix Guard get normally. Right. I mean, you guys are right. War, ward saves are all over the place in this game. I mean,
2: uh, what's and- it? Um, Sid- the Cities of Sigmar with their. Um, that- the uh, Hollowheart has yeah. a four plus has there a four plus ward save versus spells,
1: and you know what? I almost forgot. Slaves of Darkness with their five plus ward save against mortal wounds uh, with their shields. They even yep. have a ward save. Um, to me, I'm just going to say this, you know, openly, you know, because I see a lot of people talking about how they're too op, and and it, it leads into your discussion here in a minute here, uh, Justin, about. um you know play testing a lot of people are kind of already but you know we, we've always said here on grimdark live is that you know gamers and and bitching are go hand in hand if you could you could bottle them you'd make a million dollars but but here's what I'm to me like the blood Rack shrine the rune father the ghoul king etc once Teclis is eliminated uh, not only has that Lumineth player lost a five plus save but moreover a 660 point model that could account for what
2: 33% of a 2000 point army easily yeah, or or more in yeah. all honesty, because I mean, he, with his abilities, he's he's only 660 points. Yeah. He's actually worth more to the army than that 660 points. Well,
1: you're you're right, but that's still a big hit because you know well, that. Of course, it is. Well, I, I'll give you an example. You know, you know the best thing. A lot of people have been, and I did this. I was guilty of this in the last week's show. I compared Teclis to Nagash. I was wrong in doing that because I think the reality is, I think the reality is, I think people are going to be playing Teclis. In an attempt, like they play Arcan, and he's no Arcan. Arcan can stay on the on the battlefield, and he can trade blows with you. Teclis isn't going to do that, and I think that he's going to be a massive target on the table, like a, and I think too, like a Marathi or an Eluarial. Speaking of elves, um, and big big centerpiece models, I don't think that he'll be a regular gaming staple on the tabletop i mean do you guys see that or do you, or do you guys no that i, I definitely
2: agree with you on that i i mean you'll see him on the table but i the, the only thing he is is he's a shield i mean he doesn't have the attack characteristics or anything to really make up for him being a combat unit he's because right. he's not right he's a shield and, and as it, soon as you hit wounds, that shield enough it breaks
1: yeah and at 16 wounds you know there's a lot of things that can take him down
2: Oh yeah, I mean hell, he takes one good shot from a harvester, right? You know, and he's down to one wound.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. you know. I mean, Randy, what what are your thoughts on this man? I mean, are, are, did we go off on left on like a left turn at Albuquerque on this thing, or, or what are your thoughts? No, no, the,
3: the, you know the, the the center center generals, you know, because I know I've been you know I've been trying to you know I like playing the big models, so you know it's always been you know uh, like a risk versus reward. Always, you know, it's. You know, they, they they you know sometimes they just don't make up their points in, in games, and you know, they they can be consistently like, two thirds of the time, but then you know, like there's a, that that time that just doesn't work out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's yeah. right. But but yeah, that's that's everything we got in the news uh, right now, guys. Do you have anything else uh, that that you want to talk about on the news? Anything that we need to add before we move on to our first topic of the day?
2: No, I, I haven't really seen anything else that's been particularly newsworthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's it's funny though. You know, there's 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 a lot of 40k going on out there, but you know, we were we were still able to you know still talk about the good old Lumineth.
2: <laughs> well, I think they're going to come back and bite us one more time, but that's okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I I, I yeah, of course they are because you know I, I don't I don't think for a moment that this is the only uh, units that are going to be
2: coming out oh no no we got we got nine or ten in total i think there's only like ten units to the entire army it's it's not that big of an army list
1: or they might come out with an accompaniment maybe his brother's around the corner somewhere you know so you never know yeah i
2: i'm thinking we're going to see Tyrion 2021
1: okay all right i like it hey gang I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12.
0: GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, Dice, and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois.
1: Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com Again, that's
0: www.GameStormGaming.com They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events. So get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming. 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. 630-243-9330. 630 243 9330 again that's gamestorm gaming 1243 state street Lamont, illinois
1: gamestorm gaming is a proud sponsor of grimdark live we hope to see you there well, let's, uh, justin you got uh, you got your you got your first topic as, as a co-host here on uh, grimdark live you want to talk about play testing balance and you know what and, and i got some stuff i want to talk on, on this topic too man but it's all you man the floor is yours
2: all right well so when I when I bring up the topic of playtesting and, and the state of the game, it's um, it's something we always talk about around the table anyway. You know, we will be playing a game friendly or competition wise and there will always be that one rule that'll come up It's like, is that even viable or why is this army so this thing is so overpowered? And it's just it's sometimes lack of playtesting or sometimes it seems like it's the meta. I mean the way I look at playtesting is is who's actually doing it. Is it in-house or is it just the community that's been dictating the state of our game? And that's my general question on that is like it seems like most of our FAQs, most of our 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 general handbooks are being dictated more by the community than they are any form of in-house testing.
1: Well, I think that's right. I mean, there's there's a reason why you know the the, the British guys from GW are walking around with clipboards at, at at Adepticon. I mean, I think that they take major GTs like that and they, they collect that information. Um, and, and I and I do got to say something too about my beloved Ogre Maw tribes. To your point there, Justin, I think you're absolutely right because I I don't necessarily th- I think I think I, I think playtesting has has got consistency problems. That's my first thing I'll say because if you look at the the Ogre Maw tribes. There, you know, you can tell that no one thought about the fact that that the Maw Pot does nothing for beast claw raider units. Exactly. And, and if you've ever read through the meat fist battalion, I have no idea why they even bothered printing that thing. Um, and and half the time, I look at the um, uh, look at the, uh, the the winter bite and wonder the same thing. But I, I digress. But yes, okay. So I, I'm I'm with you so far in the play testing. Yeah, I get that. Right. And
2: I mean, the the big reason I'm saying all that is you could go through every single codex, every single army list that's in the game, and you're going to find something that either is either underpointed, overpointed, the rules don't make sense, there are conflict to a different rule in the game or just way out in left field the entirety of it doesn't work. And yeah, part of that I think is just because we see we see so many people that are meta chasers and they 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 only look at okay, well, this unit can do this, this unit can do that, this unit does this, this unit's not so good, it doesn't really work, so we're not going to play that. So you don't get the the whole package of an army. You get the best of the best and the weak the chaff gets kind of just, like, thrown to the side.
1: Yeah, but I, I well, b- before I say what I'm going to say, Randy, what do, you, what do you think about the, the, the whole concept of, of balance and playtesting? Do you, do you think playtesting offers balance or do you think it, it, it inhibits it?
3: Well, like, like, every single faction has, you know, like, three, like, sub-things, you know, and it's just, like, every single, like, for example, like, the uh, the last Chaos Campaign book had 13 different, like, extra religious abilities, and not a single one I've seen used in tournaments, you know. And there's always, you know, uh, like, it's always, like, for, for orcs, it's, like, big wah for, you know, there's only one temple for just, you know... Daughters of Cain, you know. Yeah. You oh know, so you yeah, you're like, referring
1: back to the Wrath of the Ever Chosen book. Right. Yeah, the Wrath of the okay. Everchosen. Yeah.
3: Like out of all of those, like, you know, I don't you know, I don't see that, you know. I own the book and you know, I flipped through it and I'm just like, you know. Like I was really excited when I came across the white dwarf issue that had uh the, the fourth Slamesh, you know, elite disability, just so I could play soul <laughs> grinders, you know. But like, you know, you like be. Yeah, it, it, it just it just
2: <laughs> seems like, you know, sometimes a lot of units get just forgotten about, and it it's it doesn't balance the army well enough when you don't see everything being played.
3: Well, yeah, it's just like the lower 25% of the the, the the general's handbook every single year doesn't get a point reduction and they're not even being touched, you know. Right. Yeah. Well uh, me, or, or, or
2: okay. they look or they win a major tournament like Seraphon with winning adepticon and they get their summoning rules completely nerfed, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me then, pull it back here you know, a little bit. When we talk about playtesting, we talk about balance. My thought is, could it be the system that they have in place for playtesting? And I'll give you an example. Every every corporation that that produces some type of a product, whether it's software, an engine, uh, a a plane, a, whatever it is, and you know, hey, uh, Randy, two electrical engineers, you know, switchgear, motor control centers, right? We have what? QAQC, which stands for quality assurance, quality control groups internally. And in a sense, those are those companies' play testers for that product. These books, these models, this is GW's product. Now, I don't want to get too haughty on that, but I'm going to say this. Do you think that the balance is a direct, direct or lack of balance, do you think it's a direct incumbent piece to the process itself? And I guess I'm asking you that, Justin, to see.
2: Um, I would probably say a little bit. Most, I mean, if you're not doing in-house testing to, you know, and having – and I'm not just talking computer simulation or anything like that matter. You know, if you're actually not sitting down playing even a representative of a game, you're not going to have, an, you know, a fair effect on it. But, I mean, how many how many games would you have to play to, to balance that army out of, upon – everything yeah. that's out there
1: and you can kind of see and, where i'm going with this so good oh sorry. yeah sorry no go ahead uh, i guess where, I, where i'm going with this is obvious for the obvious reasons you know when when, when you're dealing with playtesters, and this is my speculation here this is this is my this is my question in my mind you know um i'm always leery of a playtester. maybe this person likes legions in the gosh better than he likes skaven or maybe this playtester likes Knights of Ash better than they like Spide Gits. So when they're playtesting things, because I'm going to tell you honestly, I would, as, as much as I love my Beasts of Chaos, if I was playtesting a new Beasts of Chaos army, I might want to bring back Gnarled Hides so my Beasts of Chaos can have a 5-plus ward save. I may want to bring back Impact Hits because, or they never had it, but I'd like to introduce Impact Hits because they have horns. How do, you, how do we know when you talk about balance that a particular playtester isn't saying, you know what, I really want to make my army great, because they've got almost like a vested ownership in their own army. And that's what I'm always leery of, that you don't have that, um, what, what's the word I'm trying to say? You don't have that um, that neutral thought process in the development. Right. That, that's that's what I'm always leery of.
2: Well, it, it makes you wonder if GW is kind of doing it this way to, to kind of keep their game future-proof, you know, to make it where – if they don't do an entirety of, okay, well this army can do all this, all this, all this, and all this, we don't have to introduce anything else because the army's perfect. You know, I'm, I'm almost thinking it gives them a way to add things to the armies and to add things to the game without having to be like, okay, we're hard locking it in, you know, but that also, but that also leads to, Full communities, community-based designed armies of only the hardest-hitting things in the world, and then how do you counter that? You know what I mean.
1: Well, yeah, and, and, and I don't think, yeah, no, that's a good point. But again, that that goes back to, um, you know, because these armies are generated from somewhere by somebody, right? So that, that would that well, would take that, me right. back. That would take me back to again the playtest. I mean, Randy, what do you think about that?
3: yeah so like they you know they have to have some type of you know uh, for i would say they they use like point creep just to 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 use uh i like guess a, a selling mechanism and you do need to you know it isn't you know to to be competitive you still need like needs to have an arms race, but you know you basically blank out all your old stuff like like the big rumor for 40k is they're they're phasing out the old you know small space marines and replacing everything with primus like across the entire entire line in a couple of years or whatever yeah you know you right. know just like like people are still using beastman models it's, it's amazing you know those, right. those things are so old you know right
1: yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but, I, I, so you, so you let, me, let me reel it back with this question here and Randy I didn't mean to cut you off but I yeah. You know, so here's the thing, let's go back to play testers because I think that's the that's the pure origin of how these how this balance starts, right? You get you get Joe right. and Jane Gamer, who are a play tester for GW. So here's the thing. Do here's my question to you both. Do playtesters perform better than other players with new factions compared to their previous results with other factions? Did you understand mm. my question? that's tough. See, here's my thought.
2: Yeah, I well, expand on that a little bit cuz Okay, you,
1: well yeah. let me let me let me say when, when I ask that question because my thought is this. Non-playtesters hopping into a newly released faction are a, are a are a place where we can see players get a big jump in their their win rate. So I think that a lot of times when when we talk about playtesting, we talk about some of the things that we're saying, a lot of people look at the win rate of particular armies or the, or the win rate of even particular play testers. So knowing this, everybody knows, or at least for the most part, that play testers are what more, the more elite players in the hobby. Right. I mean, we have people that, I mean, usually
3: yes. Well, I'll make 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 comparison to another game. Okay. So for Magic the Gathering, the, they actually like, like, for them to invite someone into the playtest group, they had to win like three to five major tournaments right. and be like ahead of the curve and just like there, there's certain players that just like, Oh, they won four times. But you know, this person over here has, has rocked it, you know, like has back-to-back wins and this and whatever is, you know, is way up there you know, and like there's been like three or five players that literally been sucked right in from the, the tournament scene to, you know, because of their their knowledge and being able to comprehend new cards and, and, and adapt to each well, of the that's, formats that that's come out. That's what
1: I'm saying right there. Correct. Yeah,
3: and it's just like and they know inside and out because you know, like they have proven themselves with you know wins or whatever. Right.
1: Right. And I, th- right. I think I think that's where I was kind of going with that because you're going to have these elite players for the most part. So that's going to offer a little bit of a of a balance skew, really. Because
2: oh well, yeah. yeah, especially if they're especially if they're play testing only one army.
1: Or your, or it takes the, they're strictly about competitiveness. Right. You know, and, and I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, we can see these players get a big jump in their win rate. You know, for instance, if a new faction is very strong, like for example, iron jaw player moving to big wah after orc war clans came out, something like that, uh, play testers because there is essentially no measurable way for them to improve, um, we well, I should say, playtesters, because there's no essential measurable way for to either to to either track their impact or see if a, a playtester versus a, a normal Joe can improve with that army. That's where I think the cloudy area is is, is exactly what we're talking about, where we are making all these speculations. Like, do playtesters do they have preferential do they give preferential treatment to a certain army? You know, um, and, and that's that's kind of always been my suspicion. Now, that's that's my opinion here, folks. I'm not I'm not pointing my finger and making an accusation. I, I mean, I guess maybe I am a little, but my suspicion is that that's going to be the case because you know, quite honestly, I, if I really loved an army like I love my my, my beast of chaos or, or even my ogre Maw tribes, I would probably try to push them in a more powerful, positive light. It's a natural
2: thing, right? But in the same sense, on that, if an army is not played as heavily, or a faction of an army is not played as heavily because the rules are outdated or they really haven't been adjusted or the points are too high. Is it fair to those those players that want to try those armies?
1: Hey, I hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live experience and the show. If you want to support the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on our podcast. This way, you'll be alerted when we post new content. If you'd like to support Grimdark Live further, Head over to GrimDarkLive.com, get a t-shirt, dice, or there's Patreon, which makes our show possible. keeps our mics on and the lights buzzing. Big thanks to everyone, past, present, and future, who have supported GrimDark Live. We do this because of all of you, and of course, we will continue doing this for as long as we can. Okay, you guys ready for more GrimDark Live? Let's get back to the show.
2: You know, because well, there's no balance there because they've been forgotten.
1: No, and that's and that's that's very true. And that's where like, like I think what you're getting at is is you'd like to see the more common Joe and Jane gamer be involved with the playtesting circuit right. as well as well as these pre- premier players. Yeah, I get that too. I'm I, I'm all I, for I think
0: th-
2: I think that the whole playtesting community in general should be a mix of the elite and the social. You know the the ones that go to the mom and pop shops, and you know they have a game on the weekend with you know husband and wife or best friends or whatever. Yeah, their game, their input in games should count just as much as the dude who's sitting on you know three, 35 wins with an OCR bone reaper coming out of mm-hmm. a tournament cycle. you yeah, know?
1: and I'll say this, you know, you know, Justin, you and I, you know, we we've we've played alongside each other, we we've known each other for a long time, we've gamed against each other, so so we can, you and I can tend to either be. Relaxed gamer or a power gamer, we we we've got those yep. gears. But take somebody like Randy here, who and folks, I mean it when I say he's the nicest guy in tabletop war gaming. This guy is the most relaxed, chilled, have fun, beer and pretzels kind of a gamer. Now, I've, Randy, I think I've seen you twice in all the years I've known you. Turn it on and really take somebody's lights out. So you have that ability to be an an absolute murderer, but you don't do that. So I think like I think somebody like you and I, Justin, probably would. Really muddy up the waters if if we were play testers. But I think a good balance would be somebody like Randy stepping in. I mean, Randy, what do you think about that? Could could you see yourself being a play tester?
3: Yeah, it's just you know, I I have different outlets for different things. So like I said, uh, Magic is my go-to. You know, when you want to be competitive. So, when I want to be competitive. You know, okay. I I've I've won more games and, and more prizes than I will ever win in in Warhammer. Yeah, well, Because, you know. Well, other than the spoons, you know, those are those are pretty good.
1: Yeah, and and you know, and for Armed Forces today they're sporks.
2: Oh man, <laughs> even better. Right, but see, Randy has one big advantage when it comes to his playtesting and his game in general is he loves playing the oddball unit. He really does.
1: Yeah. He, yeah. He and really and does. that's
2: what makes him probably one of the most balanced people I know for being a playtester because he will take the absurd unit, put it on the field, and even if it gets destroyed. People will enjoy every minute of it.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think I think I do I do agree with you that I think it takes a, a proper mix of people to give that um, that overall type of balance to the game. And I don't know how you police that, but let me let me let me do this. Let, so let me ask you another question. And try to bring all this together here. And I and am and, and am I hijacking your topic here,
2: Justin? <laughs> no, 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 All right, but, so here. Let's talk about man. Let's We're, take. Yeah, we we, we we come up with a topic. We talk about it.
1: Yeah. So let's take playtesters on one side and let's take what I'm gonna call Joe and Jane Gamer on the other side. All right. So play testers. Mm-hmm. Do playtesters and, and Randy, I'm I'm asking you the same question here too. Do play testers perform better against new factions than other players? What do you think?
2: I don't think they perform better personally. I think they have a I think they have more of a level grasp on it because they're expecting that curveball. Okay. All right. Versus a, you know, an everyday gamer that would be like, "Whoa, whoa, what what just hit me?" you know. And have to go back and read the rules 10 times over because most elite level gamers, you know, or people who aspire to be there, they buy all the books. They buy everything. They read everything about that army. So when they do face it, they know exactly what the rule is to defeat it. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I, and that, that comes with, um, you know, the more you play an army. But Randy, what do you think about that? What What is your? I mean, do, do play testers yeah, perform think, better yeah, against the, new factions than other people, other players? Yeah,
3: because like the, the play testers will be able to look at the rules and 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 you know, like like there's like like most most competitive players like they'll open the book and be like, this is you know this is the only Legion's ability that that's good for it, and these are the three units you should use. You know. These points seem like they—they're, you know, would, would be competitive or whatever. Right. And with, with the playtesters, they know, like, you know, they'll they are give, probably given a big stack of sheets. Like, this is what all the units do. You know, this is what you know. You know, these are the you know suggested allegiance abilities or whatever. And they'll be able to pick out which you know which ones are the best out of everything or whatever. But right. how much do they actually play test the like lower sixty percent of the army, like? You know, there's certain you know well, trash yeah. units that are, are just like you know. I said like I enjoy playing you know one of everything you know or you know right, but, right you know I you know the, the cookie cutter you know stamp three of the hammers and, yeah. and none of the other units you know like what what makes them choose that that specific list to be competitive and then like and I think that's I think that's what
2: leads to the meta you know yeah, that's what that's, that lead that leads to what when people say okay I'm fighting Lumineth, or I'm fighting chaos or I'm fighting this. Okay, I know if I see this 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 and this unit on the table, I need to have a counter to it. But if I see these other ones on the table which are in the lower 66 like you're saying, Randy, they're yeah. like I can throw I can throw my cheapest unit at it and it'll take it off the table. You know, right. or or I tie it up for the entire game cuz I don't have to worry about it, you know, something of that manner. And every book has that I mean, don't get me wrong. Every book has got a lower, you know, fifty percent that people don't use. I mean, the the Ida deep can have their primary battle line, which is their their um, you know, their 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 foot troops. I mean, most people don't use them, or they use them at bare bone minimum, just because the rules don't support them, right? You know, so yeah. it it just it comes down to it comes down to an elite playtester is going to look at it and go, okay, this is what the meta is probably going to be on it, and how do I counter that meta?
1: Yeah. No, and, and, and I think that's I think and I think what we're talking about here are multiple areas of disconnect or points of failure in the process of the playtesting. I mean, obviously I think that that some of the opinions of some of those playtesters are gonna be skewed more favorably towards armies that they prefer over others. Right. Um, I also think that like you guys are saying, I think that they're focusing in, even if they don't necessarily have a strong opinion one way or the other on an army, they're focusing in on a unit per se that is um, that they may prefer over another unit. But I also think right. too, I think there's a disconnect internally. Let, let's go back to the, 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 quality assurance, quality control group that, that I talked about in a, a second ago. I think there's a disconnect between the people that are playtesting literally and the people that write the books. And, and I'll go back with my example as far as the ogre maw tribes and, and, and my just disdain for the meat fist maw tribe, the sub faction, you know, their, their unstoppable feast command ability that's that's part of this i won't get into a long hinge of this but it benefits ogre gluttons for their gulping bite now now here's the here's the issue i have with that i mean their gulping bite is a one inch attack um you know i just think that that There's so many other things that could have been like that. Like what I'm saying to you, that wasn't play tested. But I also think, had the play testers had more communication with the people that were actually generating the books, I think a lot of these black holes that are in a lot of these battle tomes, I think would have been addressed. As as a loose example, but
2: I definitely agree with you there. You know, yeah. it's if you had internal if you had internal play testing and then back to that data up with the external play testing y- you could make a better overall assessment especially when it comes to the the big FAQ and the general's handbooks mm-hmm. you know because we see some really just out of left field changes in the general's handbook and then we went we go wait what happened you know yeah. what wh- why why did why did the ironclad jump to five over 500 points when it's not even worth it, yeah, you know? So right. you killed the Karen and overlords primary bread and butter ship because you put it so high and to field one eats, it, it's almost like fielding it, you know, a a, tech, a techless model at that point, mm-hmm. you sure. know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but
1: I, th- I think, you know, what it boils down to is kind of something I think, Randy, you said it, or, or maybe Justin, I don't remember who said it now, but uh, I think the more you play a given army, uh, and we've talked about this on the show before. I know that, that when Gary was on the show, he, he, he said that quite a bit. He said, you know, basically, the more you play a given army, uh, then, then the better you're going to be with them. And, and that seems really like a fair assumption, even, even to this conversation. You know, a, a play tester can, can have a large head start in getting familiar with the way an army plays you know presumably they can uh they can also keep playing that army amongst uh other playtesters after the official testing you know ends so that's why i'm saying i think right. play testers have a huge leg up in in competition compared to and you know i guess where i'm, I'm going to start sounding a little negative here is you know I'm not sure, and I don't know how you police this, but again, I'm not sure that 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 playtesters should be allowed in the first couple of tournaments after the new army's released, <laughs> or at least allowed to win, <laughs> because they just seem to they're they're going they're going to have all the anticipations and everything down for that army.
2: Well, I mean that's that's the only bad th- side of it is you you really can't stop people from playing though. That's, well, so, and again, I, I that, you know, and, again, that's and, me
1: being a, a, like a pessimistic, you know, kind well, of, a, you know. And and,
2: and there's not, there's nothing wrong with the opinion, you know, and that's and we are we are all based on opinion here. So, you know, the way I look at it is yeah, you have to have those playtesters, but you know what? The the big problem I have with with generalized playtesting and having the community do the playtesting is how much of it is actually reported correctly. Yeah. That's that's my big draw on it. Is like you could have somebody who plays I'm just gonna use the Carrot and Overlords for example, because they're they're one of the armies that are very, very lightly play tested and you've bear you very rarely see them. But you could have someone who's played a thousand games with them, but only reported two. Sure. Right. Okay. So you know, or you've only seen two games played with the Carrot and Overlords out of the thousand games that are played. So how does that affect or judge or make the judgment to change the points or to change the overall rules when you have a thousand games played, but only two reported?
1: Well, yeah, your your, your information in law of averages is kind of skewed there.
2: Exactly. Um, but, you so, know,
1: speaking of that, I've also heard, and albeit I don't really believe it, that, that playtesters don't know the release order of the armies are playtesting. I don't know if I necessarily believe that.
2: Uh, I don't I I would have to disagree. I, I would disagree with you with uh, them knowing or them not knowing because yeah, I mean it's, I've heard that it's, they don't know
1: and I don't I don't necessarily believe that
2: I know because if you're if you're paying people to play test for you even if they're an outside source be it through product or cash or something of that money or or whatever they're gonna know what's coming
1: right right
2: because nine times out of ten, they, the play testers, if they're, especially on YouTube and stuff like that, when you see some of the, you see some play testers that get the armies earlier, whatever they're painted, they're ready to rock and roll. They already have an idea for a list. All that information, they had to know that was coming before they even yeah, got that exactly. box in their hands. Exactly.
1: And and and, and here's what I, here's how I want to shore up the, the whole play tester thing as far as balance. I suspect that by default, play testers, like we talked about before, are gonna be some of the most dedicated players and those who attend a lot of events, like we've already said. Right. By that measure, I, I find it a bit wrong uh, the fact that, that if we want balance in the game, the average Joe player should get a chance to play test because their right. perspective could help shape the game than, than just a, a power game standpoint but let me say this i also think it's foolhardy to think that play testers are not hoarding special knowledge or secrets and, and hence um why they all have to sign a non-disclosure i mean th- that's that so that that fact is out there right now plus that knowledge benefits them at the start even with the fact that other gamers non-play testers will will work out army mechanics and tricks a month or two of, of the tone being released so well
2: i mean prime example if you look at youtube right now you can already go and watch lumineth um you know cracking the book lumineth yeah, things right and it's like i'm not a play tester in any way or form i'm I'm doing this show here. It's my opinion and everything else, but I'm have to wait till this coming Saturday to even get my hands on that book. The yeah. first time I will even see it will be this first Saturday. You know, right. now if I was a playtester tester and whatever else, would I have had my hands on that book a week or two ago? Probably.
1: Right. And, and you know, and, and the reason why I said before, why I was, I'm a little hesitant to, to, you know, have, have, playtesters who playtested armies in some cases for a year before they come out uh you know at the uh, playing them in major tournaments right off the bat is you know new armies going into their first tournament also have the element of surprise to everyone but the playtester and that's in that's an advantage in itself to those people it's kind of like this you've heard us talk about here on the show somebody else some some master class painter paints a, a person's army and then they win best painted and they don't say anything you know, it, exactly. it's it's kind of an unfair advantage, and and I think the the I think it, it's a disingenuous to to point to some floating and unverified data that points to a lack of advantages test players may or may not get because that data is generally pointed at armies which stay at the at the top, then you know after a while often see a decrease uh, in in win ratio after the first few events.
2: But, right, but how many armies out there have? Have we seen at that point that have been at the top and are constantly staying there and not budging,
1: or a faction like Death? Yep, just a whole big fat faction. The
2: whole, whole, yeah, the whole faction itself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah,
1: and you and, know, and so
2: granted, granted, no tournaments, so we've had no real major updates.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you, you know, here's the thing, folks. These are just our opinions. On you know, I, I think playtesters are valuable, but I think the system needs to be fixed. Uh, isn't that kind of what you're saying, as far as the balance is concerned?
2: Justin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more along the lines of. If, I have no problem with playtesters. I I actually, you you need to have them. But there needs to be a broader community or a broader base of playtesters, not just the elite or the top 10% of the players in tournaments or the top 10% of players in communities, you know, that are just constantly pounding these armies into the the table and are like, well, I've figured out how to win with this one, and I've got a 40 and zero win ratio, you know?
1: True.
3: Okay. The thing is, how often do they actually go back? In, in you know reevaluate the, the rules with the playtesters.
1: Well you you know that Randy they never do yeah. I mean I obvious. know I know the
3: answer is never yeah and the thing is yeah. like like one of one of Magic's big caveats is one of the biggest casual games is called Commander or whatever and the community has actually set up a rules committee that has two official Wizards employees and four uh rules advisors that are from the community and then those people have a group of uh, of uh, uh, of commentators and tournament players, and they they, they assigned each uh, for those six. They assigned twelve people that are are basically uh, community advisors, which will have the ear of the playtesters.
2: Wait a minute!
1: What the hell is that? What's going on? <laughs>
0: Show where we present the rules from hell. <laughs> yes, that's right, Grimdark goons. It's time for the rules from hell, where we present the game rules from the past or present of the Warhammer worlds that just sucked.
1: Here it is, gang, a Warhammer rule from hell. In the first edition of Age of Sigmar, they had a ton of crappy rules, but one of them was for the High Elf Dragon Host. Basically, if you field enough high elves on dragons, you can legally act like a jerk and try to get your opponent to make you laugh. It was called Ancient Dignity, and it went something like this. If during your entire hero phase you can maintain a dignified, even arrogant composure and not smile, smirk, or laugh regardless of your opponent's antics, you may re-roll all hit rolls of one made for models in a dragon host until your next hero phase. That was definitely a rule from hell. And now you know a rule from hell. <laughs> Alright, let's get back to the show.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So it's like
3: that, that, you know, that's something I think, you know, I think Warhammer needs is more, you know like you know, they have their, their, their rules, you know we have the we have our playtesters or whatever, but how often are they allowed to, you know, talk to <laughs> Like commentators saying, you know, like Magic had a uh, a card ba- like banned before it even was printed in one specific format because they just the, the rules committee is just like this is too powerful. We need to we need to jump on this ahead of time and, and so people don't go out and buy buy it when it first comes out because you know, you know, like having having somebody like like have have commentators being able to talk to the the, the, the guys even though they're under non disclosure agreements, but you know, to say like you know. Like, have, have have mini-stomp have, you know, uh, a, a club president from, like, one of the clubs from overseas, you know, and have them actually have the ears of the playtesters. Like, that'd be a much better improvement.
2: Well, okay. Well, saying that, so with that and say you know, you're saying that and everything, is would there be a way, or do you think there'd be a way to have some kind of visual way to have the community, you know, kind of preach into – a play testing. So like you had two of the big names doing a play test against, an, uh, with the new army versus an old school, maybe having it viewed as like a live game or something and saying, okay, these are the rules we're testing and this is all test and we want the community feedback. Do you think that maybe GW should do like I think a once a month type of thing like that or something?
1: I think that would work in part, but I, I think, like I said, I, I think what, what they really need to do is I think they need to move towards a larger QAQC group within their own company. Right and 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 you know keep their own IP. You know if you look at if you look at major software companies, for instance, you know you look at, um, you know you look at um, Microsoft, you look at Apple, you look at Vision, you, you look at different um, different companies that develop IP software. They do all their own testing and working out the bugs and seeing how things work internally. They don't No, ever...
3: do. no, they they do have like the alpha and the beta. They have open beta. I was going to so say they, okay. they do, but that's that, well after that's, the fact. That's well. Yes, I mean, but, I mean but that's yeah. before the final product. It is, but so, what I mean,
1: what I mean is, it's already gone through a four stage, you know, quality assurance process before it goes out to any any beta testing. And right. I think that I think that's what needs to happen first.
2: Right, yes. and it, it it seems like. When you when you get a when you get a release on a book drop or something like the Lumineth, it's like okay, alpha's done, beta's done. Here you go. It's it's full gun. You know we're at full release here. And where's the alpha da- data? Where's the beta da- data? You know, or however many phases of testing you've done, you know we know it changes. But who's doing that testing? You know that's 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 part of the play testing side of it too.
1: Well, yeah, you know. yeah, but like I said, I, I think, I think we've we've kind of gone through and we've looked at how many aspects. Well, yeah, how many different areas of disconnect there are, and you know, I don't really know what the answer is. And and you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing too. We may not even find that that a company like Games Workshop finds the playtesting process that important to them. Maybe it's just a hinge pin. Maybe it's something that's connected to them to get people to maintain that level of interest in the community. Like, Oh, I know this guy, he's a playtester, And you know, uh, he says, I mean, it, 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 maybe it's just a way for them to generate more sales. Maybe it's something that isn't very, Might, cause look, they've yeah, always like, had, they've always had glaring holes in their product going all the way back to, at least I can remember, remember seventh edition Warhammer fantasy
2: battles. Oh, they've and, had and, them, they've, they've had, had them way farther than that. But, but I mean, like I said, that's probably part of their, their future proofing model. Just because it's like you don't, you know, you put just because you put a unit onto the table doesn't mean you have to make that unit God. You know what I mean? You, you give, you give, you give enough, you give enough output of that unit to make it tasty to the, to the, to the consumer, but not, you know, not enough to blow out their palate, so to speak.
1: Uh, No, I, I completely agree with that. I think that that's, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, um, I, I think that's spot on. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I that, that's, that's, that's our thoughts dinner. on. Well, I, I guess my point is, what we're going to start doing is we're going to start we're going to start going the round robin and, and repeating ourselves, and I think exactly. we've already kind of started to do that. But yeah, that's our thoughts on playtesting and balance. I mean, when when it, when you look at anything, whether it's a video game, whether it's a tabletop game, whether it's you know anything, you know, there's got to be some level of of quality assurance and control of that product before it goes out to joe and jane consumer it it just has to be and so i think that um the process needs to be fixed i like the idea of the process but i think the process needs to be needs to be fixed because again i think like we talked about here on the show i think that there's favorability to certain battle tomes and units and and game and, and i think there's other other things like that that are that are that are happening that are skewing the whole process. And, and like I said, not, not everybody can play OCR bone reapers. So that, that's, exactly. that, that's my right. thought. <laughs> well, good stuff. Randy, anything else on this
3: one, man? No, That's, that's good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that's about all, that's about all you, you, you care to talk about. All right. Well, I guess, uh, I guess we're going to move on to, to what I want to talk about. Um, I'm sure on the show from time to time, um, you know, you've heard us talk about, Um, how to build lists and, and the the general gameplay topics like that. And our general motto that we've talked about here on the show is, uh, you need units or things to get to stuff, stand on stuff and kill stuff. That's, that's pretty much what, what you need. That's kind of where our, our terminology is kind of gone from. And, and, and Justin, by the way, man, great, great topic. I, I, I like the way you brought up that balancing. That's a, that's a tough topic to to talk about. It it, it is, it is. Because there's a lot of moving parts to
2: it it's such a broad topic that you could do multiple shows on it and still not crack everything on it.
1: No, that's very true. Um, but, but what I want to get into that could be a part of maybe hopefully balancing uh, the whole play testing and army playability is on the outside. How do you prepare for that, that, that game? And as I said, on the show, uh, we've talked about, you know, different, different methods to building a list. Uh, we, we talk about, you want to make sure that you have balance where you can um, get to stuff, stand on stuff, and kill stuff that that's the essence of this game um and i want to talk about what i think the top three tips i can give you for creating an army list in in this particular game and the goal of this exercise is to generate a list that plays in the true sense of your army but before we get going um please comment in the show notes below which army you collect so that we can get an idea of what army uh shows up the most so the first thing i want to point out is there and there's three things here like i said before um know your army strengths you know in, in order to do that you're going to need to, to develop a knowledge of what that army actually does how it functions uh, so you can really get the most leverage and mileage out of that army so as an example i'm going to go back to this again i'm, I'm probably going to bore the heck out of everybody but let's go back to um the ogre Maw tribes army for example and when we look at all of their main buffs and abilities that they get, um, to start with, they talk about having a trampling charge ability, which on the turn in which they, they charge, this is what they get. Um, enemy units within one inch of this unit, you can roll a number of dice equal to the unmodified charge roll for that charge move. Add two to each roll if the ogre unit that made this charge move is eight or more models or as a monster. For each six plus, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound um or for instance another ability that they have is uh, ravenous brutes now again this thing is if an ogre unit is within three inches from an enemy unit it's hungry if an ogre unit is within three inches of an of any enemy units it's eating um add two inches to the move characteristic of units that's hungry add two inches or add two to the bravery characteristic of a unit that is eating so this straight away is saying that this is a melee-focused army, as if the name Ogre didn't give that away, but, but they do have shooting. But its, its very rules are telling you it's going to excel in combat. Um, and another uh, example, I guess if I, can, uh, if I can throw another thing up on, on the screen here, is the Grasp of the Everwinter. Um, again, this is, I roll a dice, uh, or anybody rolls a dice uh, for, for a unit that's within three inches of any Beast Claw Raiders units. For If the roll is equal to or less than the number of uh, in the current battle round, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. The mention of enemy units within three inches is screaming that they want to be in close combat. So what does this mean for you? Well, if an army that is playing most of the game in the combat phase will excel a lot better than that same army trying to shoot your opponent off the table in the shooting phase I mean could it be done maybe but the question is is that the most competitive option for your army probably not and as a side question are you going to get the most mileage out of it and that's absolutely not but um, sticking with the uh, w- with the ogres here if I can um Let's take the lead Belchers um, for instance now they're consistently better in melee than they are shooting but they're a shooting army so even a shooting unit wants to be fighting in this army and I think that everybody agrees you've heard about uh, the fact that they're better in, in, in melee than they are uh, shooting but 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 I digress um, uh, we're, 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 we're really just um, addressing the main point of, of knowing your army's strengths so does this make sense to you guys so far? Of course. yeah. So yeah. Um, so that's that's where point one is right now. So the basis of this conversation and example is going to be to look at this from a competitive end rather than, and when I say competitive, folks, I don't mean like winning every tournament. I mean actually showing up and, and giving your opponent a good game, competitive. Um, but we're going to look at it from a competitive end rather than the what you would like to play end of things. And along with that, uh, you need to know what all of your support characters do what command abilities you have available artifacts available sub factions and combining those with uh the unit strengths so what we need to look at is some of our key buffing abilities and synergies that our characters provide so sticking with the maw tribes here um you know let's take the uh, um let's look at the butcher here real quick you know that would be um you know i think a good place to to start probably good so the butcher character um so w- w- what units and combinations can we look at that will bode well with this character involved so i would take a butcher in most likely the blood gullet maw tribe now this is a this is a sub faction um in the uh in the army book so um you got him in the blood gullet maw tribe uh the First, because he benefits this, this butcher is going to benefit from the bl- blood gullet, uh, uh, the fact that these blood gullet butchers know one extra spell from the lore of gut magic in, in this particular maw tribe. And this maw tribe's artifact of power is uh, something called the splatter cleaver, a uh, heck of a name. Um, and so. So the interesting thing about this is, if, if you if if you if you read this here, you can pick one of the bearer's melee weapons at the end of the combat phase. If any wounds inflicted by this weapon in that phase are allocated to any enemy model that is not negated, you can heal D3 wounds allocated to each front friendly blood gullet ogre unit wholly within 12 inches of the bearer. So if, if you look at even what this is saying, even this is helping to play the army's strengths. It's telling you that even even your caster you want that caster in close combat yep, um yep. so and, and that's and that's like i said that's a simple artifact in this in this build but what we're doing is we're looking at again the the strengths of this army but going back to the butcher once more you know being able to cast two spells um this gives me a great chance at buffing this army's combat prius with spells like ribcracker and <laughs> uh Greasy Deluge, which, um, you know, I'm not really going to get into what these are particularly, um, but basically uh, it's either causing negative one to enemy saves or negative one to enemy hit rolls. So knowing all of this, which units can uh, can we utilize to leverage the most out of these synergies? You know, which, which units can we put in front of this Maw tribe with this with this butcher. Well, obviously the Maw Tribe plays exclusively to Ogre gluttons. Um, not to say that they're the only one, but but this particular Maw Tribe plays to your essentially your uh, your battle line troop. Um, so uh, these guys here, if if you look at the Ogre Gluttons, they benefit greatly in the Blood Gullet Maw Tribe combined with the butcher, and that's with the command ability bloodbath <laughs> you got you got to love some of these names
2: um lots of blood
1: yeah and so again here's the bloodbath um until the end of that phase you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made with the melee weapons by friendly blood gullet ogre gluttons units that are wholly within 12 inches of the blood gullet butcher so now combine this with the two spells you just cast you know they have a they have a negative one to their save and a negative one to hit you but now you're getting benefits to attack it's all a close combat type of of build. And you're combining all that uh, with, again, the Butcher. Yep. So um, th- this is what I, I mean when I when I talk about um, the first piece of this, and that's playing to the strengths of, of your army. So looking at the Ogre Maw Tribes Codex, uh, we have the Gluttons and we have the Iron Guts and even Lead Belchers as melee. Um, those are three very combat-based units, which will plug very well in in, into consideration for what this army wants to do rather than taking frost sabers and thunder tusks which aren't going to get any of those buffs or abilities from those synergies as a side note we could take a look at another army which you know is a little closer to justin's uh, playing style completely different than the ogres such as the 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 cities of sigmar Greywater fastness where all of their buffs and abilities are designed around shooting i.e. you know this this city's sigma army would would want to excel in the shooting phase does that part of that that, makes is, sense? that
2: is very correct i mean you're 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 the big strengths there like you're saying and it, it it shows true with the ogres is it's stacking layers upon layers of abilities to give you the most beneficial outcome to the designed unit exactly and from everything you showed there most everything that you had there was pointing directly at the gluttons so by the time you bubble wrapped them with all of this ability those gluttons are hitting like you know nuclear bombs instead of sledgehammers
1: yeah And, and that's what i mean as far as knowing your your army strengths and that's really step one when you're building a list i mean randy you know we've talked about this how many times over the years
3: Oh, tons! You know, you shouldn't use nobblers and nobler, you know, related that, that's items. That's a whole nother. Know. That's
1: a whole nother topic, you yeah. bastard. Because okay, they're the okay, greatest hey, unit hey.
2: army let's, in the let's, game. Let's let's not get him started. So,
1: <laughs> so, so basically, um, before before I was so rudely interrupted. Um, so, making sure you're playing your army strengths is is, is really going to help you in 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 real game situations. Uh, but number two, because as I said there's three points here that I think are going to help you in in generating uh, a good list. For your army and that's really understanding the scenarios this is something that i've seen people ignore and let's face it uh, this is a scenario based game unlike warhammer fantasy battles where nine out of ten games were played smash mouth style you know i.e you know ugg versus glug um <laughs> age of sigmar offers a really rich and in-depth scenarios to, to aid in the game dynamics play them know them but most importantly read them You know, the good news is between the General's Handbook and the main rule book and the occasional white dwarf, the scenarios are for the most part known and available to everyone. Read up on every scenario and not just right before the game. They also don't change that often. You're right. You're right. So whether right before or not, the first thing you want to do is read through the scenarios to determine its mechanics, point structures, and and how this is achieved. In other words, do you need a character to hold an objective? Are units holding an objective supposed to be three inches or six in- inches off the objective? Is there uh, a point um, that the game can be won by sudden death type case? Um, that are, the, uh, w- you know, what are the secondaries, if any? And I'm just kind of rolling off the top of my head here. But but these are things as far as understanding the scenarios. Um, and by reading these scenarios you will be able to decipher it, what you need exactly to be successful in, in a particular game. You know, you cannot only focus on tabling your opponent anymore. Remember in AOS 2.0, the objectives are King. Make sure you study oh. the, the scenarios in those books.
2: And I believe unless the tournament or the particular group you're playing with has a tabling opponent at attribute right. to the club, tabling an opponent doesn't win you the game.
1: Well, yeah, it, it, you're you're absolutely right And because this is still a points-based game. So um, you table your opponent; that just means the game ends. But you're, but everything is still total. It Doesn't say the game ends and you win. So there's a lot of those things. There, I think there's one scenario out there that says that. I think. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, but but off the top of my head, I, I can't I can't recall. But and the third thing that I want to address here um, is something that I think is probably a little more overlooked than than. The scenarios, and that's plan your use of command points. Um, there are some armies that require more than others the generation of of, of command points over other armies, and this is a, a fact of this game. But again, always reference back to the first piece of what we covered here, and that's know your army strengths when planning your command point spend. You know, yep. in, in a, yeah, in a typical two thousand point game, at least in Age of Sigmar 2.0, an average army will start with 1 to 2 command points. Maybe your base army is at say 9, 1950 points and you decide to purchase one additional command point giving you a maximum of 3 command points to start the game with. Okay, fine. Now what are you planning to do with all those command points? And yes, you know, you'll gain a command point every start of your hero phase, but again, that isn't necessarily playing to only your army strengths as every player gets that hero phase command point. And right. the, the the trick is to not burn up your, your CP too early in the game. And unlike and, and money, you only miss those command points when they're not there anymore. Um, you're going to need to come up with a plan. And I look at that plan kind of in three stages. And first one is, this is how many pre-game command points you want to start with. That's the first thing you need to consider. Is is one, two, three? What's going to What's going to help you get the best jump on your opponent? Number two, summoning pools, spends. You know, I'm going to use my beast of cast for example. Uh, they 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 highly depend upon command points for their summoning pool. Um, or three, a plan to have those extra command points. Saved up for that mid or late game, for that command point reroll, you know, auto six inches to run, when when you need to get on an objective so you can score those those late game points, you know, those are things that you need to do as far as planning for those command points, you know, there there's a there's a great combo as a matter of fact. I'm I'm going to kind of digress here and go back to my beast of chaos for just a second, but there's a great combo as a matter of fact. If you can if you can uh, you, you can pull this with your beast of Chaos army to to generate and utilize command points to gain what they call primordial call points which uh the primordial call points are the the summoning point spend for that army um and, and it starts by really fitting two battalions uh so you can you can gain extra you can gain an extra artifact having them uh from the realm of heish and then putting them in the all herd sub-faction with the point reductions uh, from the winter FAQ of 2019, this is an easy to run uh, two battalion Beast of Chaos list. As a matter of fact, but the basic rundown of this is again uh, playing to Beast of Chaos strengths, which is swarm the board with bodies, board control. This is where the Primordial Call points come in. So I'll shore it up here. the The, the combination is Primordial Call ability that the army gets. Having two battalions gives you three artifacts, making making sure, you know, you have uh, something called the Knowing Eye on the hero and the Aether Quartz Brooch on the other. Um, the sacrifice ability of the herdstone and you have not only planned for an effective use of command points in a game, but you've also have... Um, Tied everything back to step one, knowing your army strengths. But if you guys want to hear more about what that beast of chaos command point farm was as a tactic, you can go back and check out our Grimdark live show from May 28th. Uh, we went into, we actually, uh, I think, I think I posted a couple of uh, lists that are up there if you want to go back. So again, that's our Grimdark live show back on May uh, 28th. But really, to kind of summarize it, there it is. Those are your, those are your three points to understanding how to generate uh, a top list. List writing, you know, really uh, for, for an effective army. That's knowing your command or knowing your army strengths, understanding the scenarios, and plan your use of command points. There you have it. I mean, did, did I ramble on or did, did, did that make sense?
2: Hey, no, you didn't ramble on at all. It's actually, was, those are very good points. Um, I mean, the scenarios, the strengths, and the command points. I mean, this whole, like you said, this whole game is based around the, the overall holding of objectives and board control so having the having to know what those strengths and those those abilities are going to do for you in that scenario you know that's how you win your games
1: yeah you know what um it's 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 true i mean but that but that like anything whether whatever game you're going to be playing whether it's uh whether it's a tabletop game whether it's a video game whether it's baseball I mean, there, there are certain things you have to plan for other than just the actual game action itself.
2: Oh, well, of course. Of
1: so. course. Hey gang, I really hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live show so far. Thanks for being with us. But before we get to the question of the day, I want to ask you to head over to Grimdarklive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimDarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimDarkLive.com, you should know that GrimDark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to, and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted, and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. So yeah, so that's um, so that's everything. So here it is, man. We're coming to the question of the day. So um, I guess Randy, Justin, I'll be asking you that. You guys ready? Yep. yep. So is the balance of the game through rules and points fair to new players? Justin, I'll throw that at you first.
2: In the current setting with the way playtesting is and just in general, I would say it's fair to new players, but it also is could be a hard left just because a lot of the units that the new player may find cool are Outpointed in terms of what they would want to play. Um, balance wise, a lot of the armies are very well balanced. There, that that's one thing I do credit GW with. Regardless of playtesting, they are they are keeping armies fairly well balanced. And every army that comes out, be it the Lumineth, be it the Sons of Beamoth, and whatever else is down the line. They're going to be the most powerful block kid on the block until somebody figures out the way to beat them, and then they're going to they're going to filter right back into the balance of everything else. So it 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 falls into your strength thing, you know, you know your army, you learn your army, you kick ass with your army. There you go.
1: All right, Randy, what do you think?
3: Yeah, though, like points have always been, I think, an, an issue. Like they usually. You know, don't change like the units that aren't used. But like, if like if you both agree upon like you know a more laid back beer and pretzel game or whatever, you know, you know some sometimes you know the the group tries other you know other units and stuff. But like if you know you're going to a tournament or whatever, you 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 know which which units are are worth their points and and stuff. So like to be fair it's just it's all about the community and, and talking about like what type of game you you want you want a, a narrative you know you know bring a bunch of you know fluffy units or whatever you you, you can go that direction or if you know like oh i'm going to a, a a tournament and i'm trying trying to win or whatever you know these are the options i have and like you know these units kind of filter themselves out you know it's always going to going to be like that so yeah
1: good point man that's a good one yeah i agree with that i agree with that um well good what uh, justin what do you got man closing thoughts
2: well uh okay you know it's like going into the going to the balancing of the game and things of that matter when you have when you have a new player on the table maybe sometimes it's just a better way to bring that new player into the table by foregoing the points let them field what they want to field and teach them how to use those units and, you know, discuss the game afterwards. It's, you know, new players are the bloodline to our, to our community and to our game. It helps us grow. So without new players and without, you know, the changing of rules and the changing of the guard, so to speak, our game doesn't get any better. It doesn't grow. It actually starts to fester. And we need that new blood to keep us fresh and to keep our, our community, abroad you know it's it's one of those things that if we don't treat new players and hell even returning players because i know a lot of people you know they leave the game and they come back and the entire the entirety of what they knew changed if we don't treat them with a fair handshake and a fair play a play that may be their last time and no one in this community wants to see that at least that's my opinion
1: yeah yeah that's uh that's well put randy anything to add
3: nope just you know play what you like and have fun with it so
1: (laughs) hence hence said, hence said by the nicest guy in tabletop wargaming all right well good stuff man well that's it that's the uh that's the end of the show
0: Grimdark Live, we would like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Age of Sigmar Worlds. We'll be back live next Thursday, so until then, remember, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a frickin' short pants. If you missed the live show, you can catch us again right here on the next Grimdark Live Podcast. Never fear gang! there'll be more great content from Grimdark Live throughout the week with Monster Mondays, Table War Tuesdays, Warhammer Wednesdays, Grimdark Crutch Matches, and a ton more. So stay tuned and stay grim, all you dice chucking glue sniffing gamer goons. you are all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week
2: to stop sniffing
0: glue. Remember, embrace the main message here from Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other and this community only as good as our last game. Check us out at Grimdarklive.com. Don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So long Grimdark goons. Until next time, may the Dice Gods bless you and your sweaty palms.